This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in everybody to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Orange 24-7, joined as always by our fearless leader, the managing editor of Horns 24-7, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, we're, uh, well, I'm on the road this week, and, um, and we're, talking, we're talking Texas. It doesn't matter where we are or what's going on. It's, it's July, but it's, we're closing in. Last week, we gave you all kinds of Big 12 media uh, Media Days highlights and Steve Sarkeesian, Bijan Robinson, Keandre Coburn making the trip to Arlington, talking Texas football. And and now we're we're talking about whether or not um, Texas is in full rebuild mode under Steve Sarkeesian in year one. We'll get to that. Um, also want to mention what a weekend for the Longhorns, obviously, in the British Open. You had three Longhorns in the top 10 with Jordan Spieth finishing second. Dylan Fratelli, his teammate on that 2012 Texas National Championship team, finishing fifth. And Scotty Scheffler finishing tied for eighth. All those guys making a nice paycheck with a great finish in the Open Championship. That was that was fun to watch. Looked like we might have uh, a big old Longhorn uh, top five finish but hey top 10 take that and um taylor before we get to football as well marcus carr how about marcus carr the minnesota point guard um our parent company cbs the number one transfer in college basketball marcus carr picks texas over kansas kentucky and pro options and Taylor, a quick thought on Chris Beard and these these transfers. He's the he's the Pied Piper of the portal, and he's been making gold out of transfers for years, even before the portal and showed up in 2018. But now he's got a final four contending team. When you look at all these transfers, Marcus Carr, Timmy Allen, Dylan DeZue from Vanderbilt, Trey Mitchell from UMass, who can play center, Dylan DeZue, a forward, Timmy Allen, a power forward, Christian Bishop from Creighton, a power forward, and Devin Askew, the point guard from Kentucky, on top of the returning talent at Texas, Courtney Ramey, Andrew Jones, uh, you know, Brock Cunningham, Taylor, this is a, this is a, this is a title contending team in year one for Chris Beard. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't sure if you're going to let me talk there or not, but yeah. So you've, everything that you said, Chip, is exactly you like that. I, I laid yeah. it all out there for you, right? Yeah, longest intro for the podcast ever. But no, you're right. I mean, I think that 
you know, it's it's funny when you go back to when Chris Beard was hired, we were kind of joking about it. Like, is he going to have a roster? Because pretty much everybody was gone. You know, all of their um, the commitments in the 2021 signing class under Shaka Smart, a lot of them, you know, banished or disappeared and everything after the head coaching change there at Texas. But, you know, I think that if anything, Chris Beard is following through with what he said he was going to do. And at his opening press conference, he talked about how this is not going to be a transition year or a rebuild year. He's not going to use that as an excuse um, in year one, which it could be a very legitimate excuse. I wouldn't even necessarily call it an excuse. I would call it a real, a, you know, reality more times than not. But the fact that he's really followed through and added this caliber of talent. I mean, if you're a Texas basketball fan at this point, you have a lot to be excited for because if he can do this without even, you know, putting a team on the court yet at Texas, what does the future hold for him? This is why Chris Beard was the guy Texas narrowed in on getting him as the head basketball coach and replaced Shaka Smart. There's a reason why, you know, they're willing to um, to go after him, to pay the buyout that was required of him um, at Texas Tech. I mean, this is this is their whole reason. This is why you hire those coaches. This is why those million dollar buy millions of dollars of buyouts that a lot of the fans like to say seems like wasted money. It's not when this can be the, you know, the, uh, the outcome of it. Now it's going to take more than just recruiting rankings. You know, it's kind of what Steve Sarkeesian said at big 12 media days. You don't get a national championship ring on signing day. You have to earn that national championship ring. And, you know, if all things kind of fall into play chip, yeah, I think it's hard not to consider this at least a really deep, you know, run in the NCAA tournament in year one under Chris Beard, in my opinion. Yeah, we'll get into that. Um, but and on the heels of Marcus Carr uh, pledging his commitment to Texas, signing his scholarship papers, they get um, 2022 five-star point guard Arterio Morris uh, to commit. And this guy is six foot three. He's bouncy. Um, some of the comparisons are Ja Morant, um, who you know, played at Murray state and is, you know, killing it in the NBA. And, you know, these are the kinds of players that Chris Beard was recruiting at Texas tech and didn't always land. Now that he's at Texas, he's landing everybody Taylor. And I think that this is going to be a lot of fun. Now, look, you've got to blend the talent. You've got to make sure there's chemistry between all these disparate pieces that you're bringing in from the SEC, the Atlantic 10, the Big 10, you got to get them all to, to blend. But this is the magic of Chris Beard, in my opinion. This guy does as good a job of evaluating talent, making sure that these are guys who are going to buy in to the defensive requirements of playing under Chris Beard. And he wants positionless basketball. He wants to be able to switch one through five in terms of his, his guys defending all five positions. That's why he wants six, five, six, seven guys, even at the guard position, not going to have that across the board in year one, but he's going to have six foot two Marcus Carr and six foot Andrew Jones and six one Courtney Ramey. And how about this, Taylor, seven players 
who will be taking the court for Texas in the 21-22 season, averaged double-digit scoring last season. Seven. I don't think there's another roster with seven players who averaged double-digit scoring in all of college basketball. Now, Gonzaga is still going to be preseason number one for a lot of people. Texas will probably be somewhere in the preseason top five, but Texas and Gonzaga are going to play in the preseason or early season, non-conference season. So we're going to get a good barometer of where Texas is under Chris Beard. But what a coup for them to bring in Marcus Carr on top of the veteran backcourt that they'll be bringing back with Andrew Jones, Courtney Ramey, and Jace Febris. So um, big, big development there. And then the Arterio Morris commitment. Look, your quarterback is the point guard, and you've got to have that position locked up. Rick Barnes went to a Final Four because he had the right point guard. Um and TJ Ford. And if you have the right point guard and surround that guy with talent, you got a chance. And we're, we're watching this play out. It's, it's exciting for Texas basketball for sure. Yeah. And Chris Beard, you know, in his intro press conference, he said that he's not, he's not afraid of the high expectations that come with being a head coach at the university of Texas. Well, we're going to find out because this type of recruiting chip is going to lead to those expectations, which were already probably pretty high, even higher. So Chris Beard's going to probably feel it this year, you know, and it's going to, you know, it's going to be definitely fun to watch if you're Texas fans and just fun to follow. I mean, you know, when was the last time we were talking about Texas basketball in this sense? It's been decades, you know, and so this is, you know, this is kind of um, an interesting time. It'll definitely you know, be fun to watch and hopefully for all of Texas fans sanity and our sanity, you know, having a message board, they do follow through and, uh, you know, meet those high expectations because they have really all the talent and the reason to do so in year one. And that was always the disappointment about Shaka Smart. Sometimes he had really good talent. Um, Last season, he had good talent, won his first Big 12 tournament title, one of the best front courts in all of college basketball. You mentioned they've all moved on, but you had Greg Brown, you had Jericho Sims, you had, um, you know, you had Kai Jones, all of whom have moved on to the NBA draft. But that was a veteran, exciting, legitimate, deep run in March kind of team. And they lost to Abilene Christian Taylor, a 14 seed. I don't want to drag everyone back through those memories, but there's not a Texas fan who thinks that Chris Beard's team is going to flame out like that because this is a guy who tends to, to get the most out of his team and has exceeded expectations in March thus far. Um, and why not? Uh, and he lives in a tunnel, by the way. I mean, when I talk to my team sources, they're, they're just talking about how relentless the guy is in terms of communicating with his current players, talking to recruits uh, when at all possible, and just constantly firing up his staff to, to aim for number one. So I just, I think the guy's relentless. That's the word that I come up with Taylor. And, and so we'll uh, we'll see how this, this plays out, but a lot of excitement in Texas basketball and, and some excitement 
when it comes to Texas football, when you, you think about the fact that this is not a total rebuild for Steve Sarkeesian, and he talked about it a little bit at both Big 12 football media days and in talking to the Texas High School Coaches Association in San Antonio this week, he said, listen, we're coming into a team that won seven games last year lost three games by a combined 13 points. We're starting out ahead of, of where we were when, say, he took over at Washington at age 33, a program that was 0-12 under Ty Willingham, and then he helped it get to 5-7 and seven in year one, 7-6 and six in year two and three, and then 9-4 and four in year four before he went to USC. And Taylor, this this takeover at Texas is probably uh, more closely resembles his takeover at USC where he took over a team that had won 10 games with 16 starters back. And, and then he went nine and four with the USC Trojans in 2014. We're probably looking at a situation more similar to that than when he took over at Washington. Well, yeah, I mean, Washington was awful. I mean, they didn't win a single game in the season before he took over. Um, You know, this is, I feel like this is an interesting kind of storyline to follow right now, Chip, because the way that Tom Herman was fired from Texas, it wasn't, you know, a Charlie Strong that everyone knew it was coming, you know, a losing season um, after three straight losing seasons. I mean, the writing was on the wall for Charlie Strong. This was a little bit different, and there is no doubt that, Steve Sarkeesian's taking over a talented program with experience returning to it, but he also is taking over a talented Texas program with no experience as a starter, as a starter at quarterback. And that to me is something a little bit different than what Tom Herman took over, for instance. I mean, he at least had Shane Bouchelle, um, you know, had already recruited Sam Ellinger kind of knew the, the talents there. So, but yeah, I mean, I think that this definitely more resembles what he had at USC. I'm just curious what, that would mean for Texas. Cause I mean, at USC, he goes nine and four uh, taking over a 10 win program. So one, you know, fewer loss or win, excuse me, than the, you know, the person before him. So is this going to be a situation where fans are going to be absolutely irate if he doesn't win substantially in year one, just because it is not a type of rebuild or is that even fair in your opinion, to have that type of expectations where, you know, a lot of Texas fans think it's a 10 win season, big 12 title or bust type of year. What's your take on that? Well, Gary Patterson, TCU coach, Gary Patterson said it best. The difference between a good coach and a great coach is someone who can fix things quickly. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's what we're going to find out. That's what we're going to find out. We're going to find out if, if Tory backed in the, the, performance coach at Texas and his uh, emphasis on, um, you know, functional strength and, and speed and stamina. If, if that approach is, is what is necessary. If, if uh, Steve Sarkeesian and, and AJ Milwe and Kyle flood are the, are in sync in terms of running the offense. If, if Pete Kwiatkowski uh, the, and Jeff Choate, who've worked together previously at Boise. And, um, you know, are they in sync as the defensive coordinator and co-defensive coordinator? If all of that is in place and Texas can stay healthy, 
then Texas should be able to get off to a two and zero start. I, I've said that's that's the goal here. You know, handle Louisiana at home, um, a ten and one Louisiana. Handle uh, an Arkansas team on the road at night that has returning talent and good coaching, and and then build momentum from there and show week to week improvement from there. That's that's all you can ask for as a Texas fan. Because Nick Saban has won, um, you know, national championship after national championship and played for them and been in the college football playoff, a regular in the college football playoff by being able to get everyone to be disciplined about the process. And that's what Steve Sarkeesian's trying to establish right now. In fact, when he talked to the Texas High School Coaches Association this week, he said, we still, you know, he said, we're, we're taking over a, a program that's seven and three. We've got a pretty good roster. We've got a roster in place. And he said this last week as well, talented enough to compete at the highest level. He said, with all that being said, we still have a startup mentality. We we're still a startup organization because we have to build our foundation and build the Sarkeesian culture. So that that all has to be in place for week one against Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And I think that's a good point. I think if Texas can win those first two games, you know, winning really creates momentum. I mean, let's be honest. And um, I think Texas fans should be happy if Texas wins the games that they're supposed to win and handles the teams that they're supposed to handle. Cause that was the biggest thing with Tom Herman. I mean, they won a lot of games and I'm not trying to disregard that or discredit that. However, I can't remember very many like blowout wins that Texas had in four years under the coaching staff um, with Tom Herman leading the charge. That's something that is kind of ridiculous in a, in a sense, you know, I mean, there's way too much talent for them to keep games close with some of the teams that they faced yet. It seemed to be, the, you know, the constant, that was the consistent thing that you could expect under Tom Herman was playing the games close, not consistently getting better, but just playing up or down to the level of opponent that is taking the field against you. That's another thing that I think Steve Sarkeesian has to fix in year one, because you can get over some losses, you know, if, if a team just outplays the other team, okay. And they're more talented a higher ranked team, you can get over that, but you can't get over when you lose, say, you know, an opener to Maryland two years in a row. You can't get over that. I mean, that that's something that should not happen. So I think that should be one of the first main goals. You know, when they take the field against Kansas, you take it to Kansas. You don't let them stay in the game. You don't take your foot off of the, the gas, you know, the all gas, no breaks. Keep that mentality in every single game. And I think Texas fans should be, you know, pleased to see if that does come to fruition this season. Yeah, you get you get one chance to make a first impression. And and Tom Herman, as you mentioned, came out against Maryland at home, went for it on fourth down a couple of times when you're scratching your head, um, almost called that game with an arrogance of, okay, let's get on with the blowout. And and then it didn't transpire that way. And so let's see where this uh where this coaching staff is with these players in terms of being able to make adjustments, the trust factor. We heard Keandre Coburn last week. We talked about this a little bit when he was talking about Pete Kwiatkowski being so quiet and saying, this isn't going to work. 
And then he starts drawing up the schemes and putting players in position to be successful. And Keandre Coburn's like, oh, wow, tell me more. Uh, I trust these guys. I trust these guys with what they're telling me. It's a whole nother thing when you've prepared for a team and they come out with stuff you haven't prepared for and you have to make those adjustments on the fly. What's the level of alarm? What's the level of panic? Are they calm? Are they able to make the adjustments quickly and confidently and keep the players playing without having to think? Or is it, uh uh-oh, these adjustments aren't working. Where are we? And why aren't we winning? Because that was some of the that was some of the situation with Tom Herman. There were games where the players were like, we don't know why we didn't win. Right. And that's bad. That's really bad because that means the players were playing with confidence. They just weren't in the right place. And and that's the one thing that I've written about talking to Rick Neuheisel, others who are familiar with these coaches. They've said they expect the the boneheaded errors, the unenforced, the unforced errors that have caused Texas to lose games to teams that they were supposed to to win, that that stuff will go away, that they will be a better finishing team. They will not beat themselves uh, like they have in the past. And so we're going to get two great examples of if that is true in weeks one and two. Um, All right, Taylor. Uh, You ready for some love it or leave it? Yes, sir. Before we get to love it or leave it, Chip, we're going to take a really quick break, but you definitely want to stay tuned because we will have some more Texas football and basketball talk after the break. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Chip, you ready for some Love It or Leave It? I am ready. I love it. Or maybe (laughs) I'll leave it. Yeah, we'll see. So my first one, we'll go back to some Texas basketball first. My first one for you is the Sweet 16 is the over-under for Texas basketball this season. Love it or leave it. You know what? I'm going to love this because I just I just think Chris Beard, with this collection of talent, I just think this is dangerous. This is a problem for the rest of college basketball because Chris Beard is on fire. He's, he is so energized. He's got momentum in the program. He's got talent and Baylor and Gonzaga showed us last year. Baylor, of course, the national champion, the older you are, the better you are. And John Calipari lost his mojo with all of his, you know, sort of re re uh, loading with one and dones. It's, I've said that is the hardest thing in the world to do. You have to establish your culture every single year when you're bringing in three and four one and dones. I I don't know how John Calipari still has all that beautiful hair because he should be, I mean, he's got to be stressed out to the max. And, and last year, Baylor, one of the oldest teams in college basketball, Gonzaga, same, 
they got to the championship. I think Texas now, you have to look and say, wow, they're one of the oldest teams in college basketball, one of the most talented teams, seven returning, you know, seven, seven players who averaged double-digit scoring the, the year before. Ay, ay, ay. I absolutely am going, I'm going to love this, that the Sweet 16 is the over-under for this Texas basketball team. How about you? I agree with you. I'm going to love it. And I was on a radio um, show earlier in the week and they were asking about Texas being possibly a final four type of team. I was like, I'm going to tap the brakes just a little bit at this point, um, you know, because it, we haven't seen Texas field a, or, you know, put a, a final four team on the court in so many years. I mean, I think I was, I don't even know how old I was the last time they did. So it's, you know, it's been a while, but I did say that I think you can expect at least a sweet 16 appearance for Texas this year. I think that is not too high of expectations and you're right. I mean, last year proved that some of the most veteran teams are the ones that can go deep, you know, and Texas did have a veteran team last year, but stumbled all over themselves like they typically did. And, you know, under shock is smart, but I think that you're not, you're probably not going to see that. And I think if you see that Chris Beer is going to be losing his mind, he'll blow a gasket. If you see something like that, because, you know, that's just not acceptable in his mind. I definitely think that this is a, you know, sweet 16 is where you put the over under for Texas basketball. No doubt. Yeah. And think about the transfers who are coming here because they want to win. You know, Timmy Allen at Utah is tired of, of carrying a team that finishes 500. Same for Trey Mitchell at UMass, same for Dylan DeZue at Vanderbilt and same for Marcus Carr at Minnesota. These are high level, all conference type players who are tired of finishing middle of the pack with no chance to advance in the NCAA tournament. And they are motivated. And that uh, motivation plus talent means everything. All right, Taylor, love it or leave it number two. All right, number two, Chip. Considering Bijan Robinson grew up idolizing Reggie Bush, and Bijan's grandfather was a Pac-12 official, it's a miracle that Bijan ended up at Texas. Love it or leave it. You know what? Miracle's probably a little strong, but I'm gonna I'm gonna love this, Taylor. I mean, this to me says everything about Stan Drayton because Stan Drayton, who coached Ezekiel Elliott at Ohio State and can use that in recruiting, um, who's a name that that current recruits can identify with. He plays for the Dallas Cowboys. He's he's been a a Pro Bowl player. And the fact that Stan Drayton can say, yeah, I coached that guy and I can help you reach the same kind of success means everything. And it meant everything to Bijan Robinson, because I remember during his recruitment that he was, I think Texas was the last school to that he named for an official visit. It was always USC. It was, it was West coast. I mean, I think there was Michigan in there, but he was never going to Michigan. Um, and so it, it is, it's a, it's a great tribute to Stan Drayton to pull him away from the Pac-12 and and get him to Texas. And we all remember Ricky Williams, another West Coast guy, coming to Texas sort of out of the blue under John Makovic. And Ricky Williams went on to uh, break the NCAA, Tony Dorsett's 22-year-old uh, rushing, all-time rushing record 
I'm not saying Bijan's going to be in that same category, but I mean, he did break a 50 year old season school record for yards per carry. So I'm going to love this Taylor. How about you? You're a West coaster. I'm going to leave it because I wouldn't call it a miracle. I think just for the same thing, which you said, you know, this is just a visualization of the type of recruiter that Stan Drayton is. I almost feel like it would be a little bit of a slight to him if I say it's a miracle because he is one of the elite recruiters that Texas has had in, in recent years. And if anything, it's just a testimony for him, you know, um, not just using his experience and the players he's, you know, coached and taught up and all of that in recruiting, it's selling the players on that. Cause you can, you can say that all day long. You can say, Oh, I coach so, 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 and so, so, and so, well, if the players don't, the recruits don't believe into that and what you're selling and you're not selling it in the right way, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get like that. That's when, you know, you kind of erase the history and you have to have that type of connection with the coach. I think if anything, this is just, you know, a testament to what Stan Drayton brings to Texas. He's, you know, probably one of the best assistant coaches that Texas has had in the last 10 years, at least. And holding on to him is a huge priority, not just in his ability to develop running backs, but his ability to get them to, you know, recruits to, to believe what he's selling and come to Texas. I mean, that that's huge. So I'm going to leave it in the sense that I feel like I would be, you know, kind of giving a burn a little bit to Stan Drayton calling it a miracle. Cause I think that this just, just shows what he can do. Fair enough. Fair enough. Love it or leave it. Numero trace. All right. My final one for you is you came away from Big 12 Media Days feeling better about the Longhorns than you did before. Love it or leave it. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this. I'm gonna leave this. I'm I'm gonna say I feel about the same as I did going in to Big 12 football media days. Obviously, the million dollar question is how is the quarterback position going to perform? And we really won't know that until we are into the season. And so I, I feel like I know what Texas has at, at all the other positions. Um, I feel like I know what this coaching staff brings to the table. And, and I think it's going to be, I think Texas is going to be in every game they play this season because they do have experience. I think they do have high level coaching, but they've got a tough schedule and it's hard to expect student athletes. Well, and this is why Nick Saban is the man because he gets his players up every week to handle their business. They don't, they don't play down to their competition. They play to their own standard. And, and that standard has been college football playoff worthy and, and everybody's trying to capture that same thing. So um, I'm going to leave this Taylor. I feel like I know, where this Texas team is. And then once we see the quarterback position, take the field. And if it's, if it's at a higher level than it was last season, then there's going to be a much higher level of excitement about this Texas football team. How about you? I'm going to leave it too. I think I had, I think the biggest thing that I was wondering with big 12 media days is I go back to say Tom Herman's first appearance at big 12 media days. And there was, he was asked the question about the amount of talent on the roster. And he had that little answer. He's like, hmm, some, you know, and that ended up being the headline. 
what we didn't see from Steve Sarkeesian was him saying something that made headlines that people were like, oh my gosh, like, here we go, you know, type of thing, or, or, you know, just not, he kind of followed what you would expect from a head coach. I think that would be the biggest thing because the reality is, you know, at these things, look at what this horns down thing has been. When Texas has a headline that can be a controversial one, um, it's going to be all over the place. And so it's a good thing. I feel like that, that in his first year going to media days that he did not have that controversial headline because it's not going to take away from, you know, what he said about the team. You know, I think I agree with you. We kind of, I think after covering spring practice, you know, talking to Steve Sarkeesian over the last few months at the various uh, media appearances he's had, I feel like we all kind of have a bit of a understanding of where everything is, you know, entering fall camp. So I, I agree with you on that part. I feel like the best thing I would say, I wouldn't say I was feeling better. I would just say the best thing that Steve Sarkeesian did was not do one of those, you know, um, those hiccups a little bit and saying something that's going to make it him be the topic, you know, of the headlines and all of that um, coming out of his first media day, like it has been in the past. Right. Like when Charlie Weiss was asked about his recruiting pitch and said, you know, have you seen that pile of crap out there? Can't you right. come and do better than that? Yeah. That, mm -hmm. uh, you don't want that. You don't want those uh, those blooper reels that live on uh, in history. So I agree with you on that. Um, OK, good stuff. Good stuff. And uh, thanks to everybody for tuning in to the flagship podcast for Taylor Estes of Horns 24-7. I am Chip Brown. Um, until next time here on the flagship podcast, stay safe and keep the faith. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.